push past the barriers in the business of woodworking. Welcome to the Push Through Podcast. Well, Jeff, how's it what's going? Up, what's up? Going good? How are you? Doing good. Doing fantastic today so far. Good. Excited. But it's early. This. It's early. <laughs> yeah, there's there's fires to put out later. Um, excited right. for this first episode of uh, of co-hosting with you. Excited to to be on more episodes together. Yeah, I think it's gonna be good. Um, it's a, it's definitely a new format, so we can kind of pick each other's brains and um, you know still stick with some of the you know interviewing other people in the in and around the industry and a little more of a fluid setup. So uh, definitely, definitely excited about it. I think it's going to be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool way to do it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I want to just kind of break the ice. Um, what's the, just to kind of start the episode before we get into the value of lean, um, just tell me the best thing you've seen this week overall, anything doesn't have to not cabinetry related or work. Well, related. what it's the best thing you've seen basically that that means that's what's what's on the top of my brain right now and and right now i'm kind of <laughs> not kind of i'm i'm basically uh obsessed with making pizza and, and specifically like neapolitan style pizza uh, right now and everything <laughs> about it so i'm i'm getting crazy about the dough and the science behind it and all that stuff just going a little nuts about it and um so i'm also re- are you making a transition are you getting out of the, the woodworking industry? Are you going into pizza? Right, going into yes, pizza. Pizzeria? So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's still manufacturing. It's just a different type. <laughs> so that's good. But I've uh, been researching the ovens and at home ovens and things like that. And there's one called an uni oven that I've <clears throat> ordered and I'm impatiently waiting because of all this COVID nonsense. The supply chains have got interrupted. So basically, won't get my oven for another month, so I've just got to deal with it. But uh, definitely, that's been <laughs> that's been kind of on my brain the last few weeks. So it's been uh, every week. It's basically been a new recipe and a new trial and all this stuff. So we're we've got the recipe about where we want it. Now we need the need the oven to really like you know cherry on the top. Well, we'll have to have more pizza conversations on this podcast because I'm sure people for sure we may, we may fascinated uh, with the we may have a little may have a little it. tangent or something, and and we'd have to have a longer podcast <laughs> to talk about it. So <laughs> we'll be sure to link uh, to the uni in case people want to. <laughs> I'm just there kidding. you go for sure. <laughs> for <laughs> we sure. probably won't. Yeah. Um, so what's what's on the top of your list? Yeah, man. Uh, not work related. I'm I'm a huge YouTube guy. I'm always watching a YouTube video of some sort, and I'm. <laughs> Uh, I really don't watch a lot of TV outside of YouTube, um, but found one of my favorite. I love like hidden camera, like candid camera type stuff. Oh yeah. And there's this guy, Michael Carbonaro started the Carbonaro effect. It's a TV show actually, but they put little Mm -hmm. clips on YouTube and I just think it's the funniest thing. He does like hidden camera magic. So it's almost like candid camera, but he's (laughs) like actually doing something crazy, um, and it, it's just, I love seeing people's reactions and the things that oh, yeah. the creativity that he comes up with. So yeah, I don't know. Pretty that's, funny. I've seen, I've seen a few of his episodes and it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's <laughs> a, that's whenever I'm taking a break, whenever I'm taking a break and I'm like trying to decompress, I'll watch that and laugh a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe people will find that interesting. So yeah. Um, value of lean in your shop. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, yeah. I learned about lean through you. I'm obviously not a manufacturer, uh, but yeah. I think principles apply across 
it applies across the board. Um, for sure. And I think um, the, you know, to make it real for people, I'd love to hear like just a, a little bit of the story about like you getting starting with lean and some of the barriers <clears throat> you had. Cause I'm sure I think for the number one thing that I hear from manufacturers <clears throat> with lean is just, there's not enough time to get started or, you know, that's, yeah, I don't have the knowledge or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, maybe share with I, us a little I bit think, about, yeah, I think part of the problem with getting started, at least for me <clears throat> was, um, the hardest part about getting started was just the misconception of what lean is. And I, and I almost grow to, to not like the word lean, um, because it's a misconception. Hmm. And, <clears throat> you know, whenever I was in the earlier years of my shop, uh, we were growing obviously, but, um, my misconception on lean was that it was just a, basically you crank out as much work with as few of people as you can. That's, and that's the way I looked at lean. So I always, okay. I didn't never, I never researched it. I never looked into it. I just always thought, well, we're lean, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of product with not very many people where we run lean. And mm. that was one, that was my misconception of it. Cause that's, and that's not it at all. And that's what I almost hate about the word lean because it's as a manufacturer, that's just one of the things you say, yeah, we run pretty lean around here. Well, running lean and being a lean facility is two totally different things. Yeah. So there, have you I read can, that book, the, the lean startup? Um, I forgot who it's by. It's yes, a, it's a pretty I, good book, but it's probably more along those lines of like, yes, not putting up, not having a bunch of overhead and, Right. running really yeah. lean and that's completely different than what you're thinking yeah. than what you're and that's a component that is a component of it but it's really more of a byproduct um hmm. you know keeping your overhead low keeping the amount of labor you need that's really more of a byproduct of lean so it's not it's not the goal it's just more of a byproduct and hmm. so for me what really got me into it was several years ago um ran across a book called two second lean which in our industry a lot of people have read and heard of and yeah paul Akers. Who's yeah, on the Paul podcast. Akers, and, and he's been on the podcast before. Yeah, and it was a fantastic episode. And he, <clears throat> you know, he's a high energy. He lives it, breathes it every day. And, and um, he's definitely, you know, as far as woodworking industry goes, he's he's kind of the godfather of lean, you know, because he just made mm -hmm. it so easy. Um, and yeah. to me, that's where it switched. It switched for me was that it's just, it's about, it's more about continuous improvement you know, identifying, eliminating waste. And, and, and at the core for me, it's just about adding value for your customer. So, you know, when it started in my shop, after I read two second lane and we started in the shop, we just started with very small things. We just started with, you know, uh, the big thing was starting in the first thing in the morning by cleaning and sorting our areas. And, and I, I, I didn't introduce it to the shop as lean. I just introduced it as, Hey, we're going to start doing this every day for, for the first 15 minutes. And then now we actually do about the first half hour of the day. And, and it's just sweep, sort, standardized, which is also in that book, two second lean. And we just started with that and then grew from there. Um, but the, the thing that I always try to do is try to incorporate my employees into anything I do. Cause I want them to be bought in as well. And yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty tough. You know, everybody was pretty resilient to, everybody's just resistant to change by nature for some reason. But, um, you know, when I would ask an employees like pull one of them, you know, one, one in specific was one of my main employees and still is 
and I asked him, you know, hey, what 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 can you do in your just your area, just your zone of the shop? What can you do to make it more efficient? And you know, kind of the answer was always, well, I mean, we're you know, I'm about as efficient as I can be, and I'm, you know, I, I've got I don't have any extra tools, I don't have any extra materials, I don't have a mess, you know. So he always his default answer was always just it's as good as it's going to get, you know. Mm. Just and, resistant. Yeah, and he was he was compliant with with the lean, and he was compliant with the cleaning and things like that. But he wasn't invested into it, and and he wasn't he wasn't thinking about different ways that he could really uh, change his area and make it better, make it improve better. And did that cause know, a lot of friction with you? Like, how did you? Oh, for sure, that? it frustrated me to no end because you know, cause I could walk up there and see several little areas of, of waste. And yes, and maybe it was, it was small, you know, but those small changes add up to a lot, especially when you've got 15 people running around. If everybody was doing those small changes, you can make a big difference. So yeah. yeah, it was, it was definitely frustrating to be implementing this system and just not having the following that you should on it, you know? Well, especially if he's like a main employee, Right. You know, He's kind of a it's, leader. It's not, I think the, the big thing with any sort of like improvement and lean, whatever, um, it's got to be a culture thing. It's not going to oh, be yeah. a task. If it's a For task, sure. you know, it's not going to stick. But if it becomes a culture thing and if you're trying to get people to buy in and he's one of your main employees and not buying in. Yep. I mean, that's, that's it's, really not It's good. a top down deal, you know, so mm-hmm. I... I live it and breathe it. You know, it's, it's just, it's kind of who I am. I can't help but walk through and want to make things more efficient. And it's just kind of how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. And, and that definitely motivates some people in the shop just by that, because they see me doing it in my, how, you know, how I operate. Um, but the employees have to do it because they're, they're on the floor. They're they're every day, you know, in and out, they've got mm-hmm. to a uh, day in day out, you know, so they're the ones that have to, continue it kind of carry the torch you know so um so you know that employee did he did good he was very uh definitely a motivated employee resistant to the change but he was kind of that guy that was you know late to work and always on break and and in fact you know when we got into our new shop and really started getting into this lean heavier you know there's a point in there where kind of kind of had thought about letting him go because it was just um it was it was starting to pull away from the overall direction that we were heading, kind of the vision that we had for the shop as far as lean's considered. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can only imagine. Um, I want to go back to something you said. You said when we got into the new shop, and yeah. I'm not sure that we've talked about that on the podcast, and I think that's probably a really big question that people have with lean. Oh, is like, yeah. do I need to restart from scratch or to, you know, like, yes, there are these little improvements, but should there be this really big, you know, big change at the beginning and then start doing the little ones too. And you were in a smaller shop and yep. then you upgraded to a bigger shop, right. uh, probably more space than you needed. Right. For sure. Or yeah. No. I mean, we went okay. from, we went from 8,000 to 25,000. Um, and that's, that's a, yeah, big, that's jump. a big jump. You know, that's a big jump. Yeah. So, um, but we went from every day having to take, you know, plywood and materials and finished goods outside, you know, during the day to mm. having enough storage for, you know, inventory and work in progress and things like that and finished goods. So that's right. the biggest thing that we gained. But for us, it was a hard stop and a hard, uh, you know, a hard start because we moved into that shop and it's kind of like, here's how we're doing it. So it was easier 
to implement yeah. it that way because we kind of had a clean break from the old and, you know, mm. in with the new had, you know, obviously had some turnover generated with that move just for some reason, that's the way it, you know, ended up. Um, right. But it was a clean start, but as far as like an existing shop goes, you know, in the, in your place and you're considering doing lean, I, I, um, I kind of subscribe to the belief that there has to be a, there kind of has to be a grand, um, start to it. You know, I, I don't believe that, um, I believe that it's worth it for you to shut down for two or three days and back a couple dumpsters up to the shop and just empty it out. You know, hmm. anything that's not needed, not necessary waste crap that's been sitting on the wall for months on end, you know, empty it out, clean that shop top to bottom. And then that can be your hard restart. Yeah. And so, that doesn't mean you have to leave a building, but you can do. No, it doesn't building. mean you have to relocate or anything crazy like that, but it does. I do think there needs to be kind of a grand thing that, you know, is planned and, you know, it's like, okay, one month from today, we are shutting down Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Everybody's going to have their cleaning hat on and we're going to wipe this place out. And, yeah. and, you know, and we kind of did that when we moved to the new place because our new place was, you know, the new shop was a mess. It was, you know, it used to have turf down. So there was just junk all over the place on the floor. And I mean, it was an absolute mess. And we kind of had to do that same thing. We shut down for a solid week to move. And I would say at least half of that time was just cleaning, you know, and yeah, that's, that's a big part of getting into lean is just cleaning out all the excess, removing all the waste, getting rid of everything you don't need. And that definitely makes it easier to transition into that just, um, uh, lifestyle change, I guess is what you'd call it. Yeah. I mean, I think it applies just in basic life too. You know, if yeah. I'm for me, obviously I'm, I don't own a cabinet shop. I don't work in a shop and especially with like COVID right now, yeah. um, you know, for, for our industry, we did have work from home for a while and man, you walk into the same, you do the same things and you're in the same place. It's really hard to switch gears. Like there's something oh, yeah. about going into a new space. Yeah. Um, and then having that as like your workspace and then having this as like your family space and yes, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, um, if you are, I mean, if you're trying to make any sort of change, it probably is going to be helpful if you have a new area or like a clean area for sure to really get started on. Um, so it probably is really helpful to have that big, um, change up front and then move on from there. Well, uh, but it doesn't have to be like super complicated. No, it doesn't. It, it, it absolutely doesn't. That's what I was getting ready to say. It doesn't need to be, although it's a grand deal and it needs to be planned. Um, it doesn't need to be, um, something you overthink really. It's just, it's, it's as simple as stripping away everything that you don't need all that mm -hmm. stuff that you've been holding on to because you're going to use it on another job or something like that. It's just the time to get rid of all of that yeah. and old hardware. And there's, there's things that we just rat pile around because we think that we're going to use it someday and, and you never do, you know, and mm. just getting rid of all that is it's tough, but it's, it's necessary because I know, I know when we was at our old shop, it was just so packed and so full and, and there was, we could have done a lot better just keeping it clean and we didn't. And, and which is what spurred us to start at the new shop. But I know at the old one, it was just a nightmare and I would walk out of the office into the shop and I can just remember myself walking in and being like, Oh my God, this place is a freaking mess. You know? And that was my, it was like, it, it kind of deflates you when you just walk in the shop. And I'm sure if I felt that way, 
when the workers were employees yeah, were coming to work, they're like, Oh my God, you know, I got to walk in a foot of sawdust again or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, and if they start their day out that way, I'm sure it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure it's kind of a instantly just deflating, you know, in your day. But when you walk in and your area is clean and there's not a bunch of junk laying around and you can just kind of, you know, clean it up again and go to work and you're ready to go. You restock your bins and everything like that. Um, yeah, man, it gets you started out on the right note. And we've, we've been in the new shop for two and a half, a little over two and a half years. And we have been super consistent on it. There's, you can walk into my shop today and, uh, with no warning and it's perfectly clean. I mean, it's, it, even, yeah. even against the walls, there's not scrap leaning against the walls. There's not dust everywhere. I mean, you can, walk yeah, in I mean, there we came day. there just the other day, kind of like, yep. Hey, we're coming by to in take photos. Too. Yeah. And then, I mean, it was, we took photos around the shop and it looked great. Yeah. And we didn't plan Uh, for it or anything, you know, it's just, it's just the way you do it. And, and, you know, we've built in since then, we still, we still build on it. You know, now, now we have every six months, we shut the shop down for three hours and we do a cover off cleaning on every machine and every piece of equipment in there. And that's just Mm. something that we do now. And uh, man, it's, it just gets built into your system where you want to just keep continue doing it better and better. So, you know, I'm sure that a lot of, a lot of guys out there, um, they're thinking like you literally, you, you don't do the work that you have and you stop and you go and you just clean the shop. Like, and you're paying people to do that. Like, what is the value of that? You know, why? And, um, I think it's a bigger narrative and I think it is, uh, it's not just cleaning. Like why, why? If that's part of lean, why are you doing it? Why why is that important? And well, memorable? I think the biggest thing that you get out of continuously cleaning and things like that, what you really get out of that is you get you get a lot of the the side effects of that are um, you're kind of doing a lot of preventative maintenance as you go, and you, you're not really thinking about it. It's just part of your process. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it identifies problems with machinery, equipment, tools. Uh, it identifies uh, maybe short shorts and in, in inventory levels, you, you know, like if you need to adjust inventory levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so just one of the things that we do is since we've started this, all of our inventory is located at the point of use. Almost all of the inventory is located where it's getting used. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're continuously adjusting those levels. Um, and, and by doing that every day, it's like, well, we've been using a lot more of these lately. So we need to start stocking up on these or we don't use these anymore. So we can lower the, inventory level on these. And so it's just, it keeps everything real fluid, real time. And, and it's, so it's not just about cleaning it. You get all these other little side effects from it. You know, the preventative maintenance, the inventory, um, just a bunch of, bunch of little things like that, that you don't even think about at first. I think it's kind of like, um, you know, if you're, if your room's always messy, you're not gonna notice, you know, we've all probably cleaned our room like, Oh man, that's where this is yeah, or something like that. But it, basically if you have like a really clean room, it's really easy to spot the, the big things. Anything that's uh, out of place to, to, and yeah, to see mm-hmm. that what's out of place. But if it's just a mess, you don't really realize all yeah. that is, or is happening in that room or it's happening in the yeah. shop. If it's just a mess. Yeah. Um, so okay. with what's fun for me, what's fun for me on the right now, you know, when we were first implementing it, for me, it was just all about kind of keeping on everybody to, to do that process every day, you know, and mm-hmm. that 
that sweep, sort, standardize, and that that was, <clears throat> you know, basically just to break those components down. Sweeping is easy to understand. We clean our areas. Sorting is we kind of sort all of our tools back to where we go. And standardize is we continue to standardize our areas every day. In other words, if there's if there's a tool or a piece of inventory or something we haven't used in that inventory in let's say a month, we re-standardize that area. We get rid of it. We figure out what needs to be in there, and that's a continuous process, you know. So for me, now that that is just ingrained in the culture, that's just part of what we do. It allows me to kind of go a level up, and I can look at the big picture and plan these. Like I plan these big events <clears throat> throughout the shop all the time and hopefully I'm not jumping too far forward here, but you know, we just did one a couple weeks ago. We yeah. relocated a couple bathrooms. We shortened all of our conveyors by half, <clears throat> you know, actually took out one of our production lines uh, and condensed it into another one. And, you know, that was a project that I've been planning for about three and a half months. And mm. by the time we get to it, it ends up taking us about one day for five people took five people one day to do the whole project, you know, um, outside of constructing the new bathrooms, but the actual moving and shortening and everything. And, and we were already seeing the effects of it because we've eliminated a production line, but we haven't eliminated any volume. You know, we're, we're getting the same amount of volume through it and cutting all of, Oh, it's amazing. And, and it was, you know, but the way that I, you know, I, I think about these things for a long time about how to do these big projects because you're not going to get your employees necessarily to think about these big projects that affect the whole shop. But the the cool thing about it is when we were doing the project, they already knew about it because I, I tell all the employees, you know, the the main employees of the areas that they run, I kind of I kind of prime the pump two or three weeks before we start shutting down, mm. and you know, like I'll. I'll go tell the the main lady that runs the shop, you know, I'll go tell her, um, Hey, here in a couple of weeks, you know, I'm going to be lowering the water. And, and she, she already knows what that means. You know, I've just said it so many times that, and basically what I'm saying is I'm, I'm lowering the water to expose the rocks and, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to remove the rocks to, to, to keep the flow going. So, um, yeah. And the reason we do that is, um, so we're, we're by lowering the rock or lowering the water, essentially we're lowering the amount of work in progress. We're lowering the amount of inventory in the process, mm-hmm. lowering the amount of finished goods, just laying around, not being shipped. So by, by shortening all of our lines and, and keeping everything closer and tighter, we're basically lowering the amount of cash that we've got in our company, you know, through inventory and work in progress. Cause that's a huge cash hog in your business, yeah. you know, and, and receivables. So, you know, they understand now whenever I start talking about lowering the water, they know that big change is coming, you know, and, and as we get closer, I start explaining kind of what we're going to do and they can kind of get in the mindset of, okay, things are getting ready to change around here, you know? So, yeah, man, that's really cool. Um, what, what is the, I mean, you've been doing this for a while now, yep. um, at least since you've been in the shop, new shop, mm-hmm. what, uh, what's the response now when you do that? from the employees? Is it, is there like an excitement now? Um, is there still like, think, Oh gosh, I think that's not necessarily excitement, but it's acceptance. You know, the first, okay. <laughs> the first couple and, and we just, we just call them events. I think the technical term is a Kaizen event or, you know, something like that. Right. I, I don't really get too technical on the terms, but we just call it an event, um, in the shop. And, 
they're definitely more responsive to it because they've seen it enough where, you know, people just in general are resistant to change because they get in their groove. And when you, when you break that groove, it, it kind of ticks you off because you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I've got all my stuff figured out. So, but now they've at least got to the point where it's like, well, every time we've done this in the past, things have got easier for me. So mm-hmm. they trust the process. Yeah. You know, but the big thing I, is incorporating them in the process. You know, every time we do an event now, the first right. couple, of, the first couple, I just dictated the event. I just said, mm-hmm. you move this here, you move this here. Now it's more of a, we whiteboard it out the day of, and then we run a couple of tests. And yeah. just like this, this production line, we pretended like everything was cut in half. We pretended like the benches were moved. We pretended like the mm-hmm. production line wasn't there. And we just spent a couple of hours going through this mock-up of what we were going to be changing. And, and we actually, and we learned a lot from it. You know, we learned, we learned a lot of times of what it takes to actually do some things that we didn't know of. And, and we got a lot of information out of that. And, and then we got the employees into kind of what can we break off of this area? That's, that's a lot slower. That's inhibiting flow. What can we get out of their hands and put onto somebody else that's got time? And there was a lot of really yeah. cool things that came out of that event that was um, that we didn't see at first. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm learning in my business, um, just including, you know, it's been a while now, but including employees in decision-making processes, sure. not that they have to make the final decision, but doing the brainstorming with them or yep. bringing an idea to them and asking them what their thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I think it's going to help you it helps me to think through the process and think through the change or the decision even more in depth because I have to be able to communicate it clearly to someone so that they understand it. So that makes me really understand the decision in more depth. But then the second thing is that they now have ideas and now they're thinking along the lines of how can we improve? They're thinking along the lines of, Oh, wow, I'm valued in my opinion matters. Um, And you know, there's just ownership there. Um, so I think that's really good that you, you know, you're including them in that process. Yeah. Um, you got to, if it's going to stick, you just got to make it part of the process. It's got to be the culture. Yeah. Yeah. It does. For sure. It does. So I want to go through, um, all the different, I mean, there's probably more than we realize, but the different areas that lean adds value into your business. Um, mm-hmm. and so I've, I've got a list here of about six, uh, areas okay. And uh, we'll just kind of break down each and every one. So the six areas, employee engagement, which we kind of have just touched on. Uh, yeah. Then employee retention, I know is a big one for a lot of uh, a lot of shops. For sure. Overall productivity, mm-hmm. uh, product quality, yeah. um, systems in your shop. Yep. And then time in your time on the shop floor as as the owner of as your an shop. Owner. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's break, let's go through and break down, uh, each, each one of those areas. So how does lean add value to the engagement level of your employees? So it, um, it, it, it almost forces them to be more engaged. Um, just because their, their, their process or their function relies on the one before them being right, you know, and and it kind of works uphill, Um, so it, it, it almost forces them to be engaged and, you know, kind of one thing that we do, um, 
one thing that I don't do very well in lean that, that Paul Akers is huge on is the daily meetings. Okay. And I'll, I'll be mm-hmm. honest, we, we don't do a good job. Um, for, for me and my business, I can't make a daily meeting make sense. And I also can't, um, I, I just can't do it myself. Um, I can't commit to that, you know, it's right. just not part of, part of me. So it doesn't work for us. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I just think it doesn't work for us, but we do do a weekly meeting. And part of that, that routine on that weekly meeting is we do kind of a, um, we stand everybody up in line and I've said this on other things and, and some of my blog articles, but it's worth reiterating. You know, we line everybody up from the first of the process to the end. So from the CNC to the edge bander, all the way down to the delivery guy and put them in a line and where they are in the process. And then we kind of do what we call the customer game. And it's, it's less of a game and more just them talking, but it's them reminding themselves of who they're dealing with because in the shop, it's really hard for your employees to understand our, our final customer, like who is buying our product. It's hard for them to understand that and relate to that when they just see it go on a truck and that shit gets shipped out. But it's very easy for them to understand that if their next, if their customer is the next person in the line and that's who they're serving, that's, that's their customer. They're trying to add the most value to that customer as they can. So for instance, when the CNC cuts product out, their customer is the edge bander, the person running the edge bander, and that's their customer. And if they can start to view it that way, man, we've had a huge change in how things go through the shop just since we've really got that implemented and got the employees engaged with it and bought into it because now they're looking at it like, okay, if I cut something out, I'm not just stacking it on a conveyor anymore. It's like, how can I stack it to better serve the edge banner? How could he, I stack it to where he can grab it and put it right in the machine or stack it to where he doesn't have to resort my work or if it has burrs on it, I'm going to deburr, whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that just goes down the line. So we actually play that game of the CNC literally says, Edge banner is my customer, and then the customer, you know, then the edge banner says, "My my customer is the, uh, you know, assembler or the kidder or whoever it is," and it just goes down the line to the, all the way down to the delivery guys, and then the delivery guys' customer is the actual customer, you know. So, um, and then I'll usually pick one of them to talk about what's something that they could do to better serve their customer, you know, and I'll usually pick one of them at random, and they've got to say something, you know, so. And generally they, they come up with something. So it's a little bit different concept, but it makes it real for them to where they actually know that they're working for a customer. Cause the, the ultimate goal for lean in my eyes is you're adding value. You're, you're eliminating waste and, and, and adding value for the customer because the customer doesn't pay us for how we get from raw product to the final product. They just pay us for the final product. They don't pay us for all the waste in between. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if we can, bring that view into the shop to the actual employee level, it, it, it has made a huge difference with employee engagement, huge difference. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. I mean, there's so many companies, um, you know, I, I work with a lot of contractors, manufacturers, whatever. Um, they're not taking time to have those conversations. And yeah, I just, I know that as uh, you know, I've been an employee in the past and I've had a boss that talked to me once a quarter, you know, right. And it just, it's not enough. And if you're being, if you feel like you're being invested in 
you're going to invest more. Um, you're going to have more to invest in. And so I think the value of, of you having those conversations of, of trying to help them to visualize of giving them your time once a week, um, it, it's, it's definitely making a difference. I know that you've already talked about how it has, but I think for yeah. anybody that ha- isn't doing that, like if you just start investing your time, um, mm-hmm. and just having conversations and asking questions, your engagement from employees will increase and they're going to be happy. Just naturally. With you and yeah, for sure. You're going to know the issues of what to work on. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, the other thing is like, you're not going to see all the waste in your shop. Like you're going to see waste, but you're, you're, you're limited on what you actually can see as far as right. waste goes and your employees can amplify the visibility and the awareness of the waste you have, you know, 10 X hundred X. Sure. Yeah. So, Cause they're, they're um, touching it, feeling it every day. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I'm glad to hear that. So let's talk about like the retention. Obviously, if people mm-hmm. are more engaged, you're probably likely to have better retention. But how does that affect That's you guys? Sure. Well, the negative side of the of employee retention, you know, the, the the negative side of it is, you know, when you're cycling through employees, that revolving door that we've all been through, um, it you totally underestimate how much it costs to train employees when you're because. The, the actual true cost of training an employee is probably not that much. The cost on the business, however, is huge because you're sucking the time from whoever's training them. Their production is getting lower because they're training that person. And there's like this natural dip before you get the, um, you get the benefit of actually having a new employee, you know, increase production. So uh, employer intention is huge, but it's, it's not something I've necessarily focused on, but it's definitely been a good byproduct of being in lean because uh, again, like I said earlier, you just walk into the shop. First of all, you're, you're just happy to be there because it's clean and it's, you can tell it's efficient and it's, you can tell it's going to be a good place to work because they're not going to have to put up with nonsense um, from things not being in their place and all that other stuff. So just, you know, chaos. So we, the, the unintended side effect of this has been, that I didn't even think about was we have had employees like uh, since we've moved in, the majority of our employees have been there for over two and a half years. And then we've got several that have been there more than that. But the, since we've really started the lean, we haven't had, we've had very little turnover. Yeah. And the other thing that I've noticed is that they want to start bringing, they start referring people to come work for us. And all of a sudden we're not putting out ads for new jobs and things like that because people are wanting to come work for us, say from other shops and stuff like that, because they've heard of what we've done through our employees. And it's just, it's yeah. all connected, you know, cause they've, they've all worked at several different places. And it's like, when they come mm-hmm. over here, they really like what we're doing. They tell their friends about it, you know, and it's kind of one of those things that, that feeds on itself. So we can kind of, I don't know if this feel sounds bad or not, but we can be really picky on mm-hmm. who we we take and, and we are picky because I let the employees choose who they let into their environment. You know, when, when I hire somebody, I hire them on a three day basis and they work those three days and the employees that they're working with, they audit that every day. You know, they, they just have a quick little form that has a few questions on it. And the last question is, can you see yourself working with this employee long term? And mm-hmm. if that question is ever no during those three days, they just don't get asked back. And, um, well, I think that in itself is going to help employee retention. I mean, 
Yeah. I can't tell you how many people, friends, family, whatever I've talked to that can't stand a coworker that, um, you know, don't enjoy going into the office and it makes it miserable. But if, if you feel like you've got to say, not like I, I don't work with girls or I don't, you know, whatever it is, but more so like, no, like there's literally not a culture fit. Like they're not answering my questions or they don't, they're asking too many questions. They're not trying to fix things. Um, Yeah. People, if your employees have a say in that, it makes them feel like they're a part of a family, a part of something that they can, they have a say in, uh, and that they're valued. So, well, that's part I of it. And great. the other part of it is an employee uh, from an owner's perspective, a potential employee or somebody that you interview is going to tell you their pre-rehearsed answers. You know, they're going to give mm. you the answers that you need to hear. But as soon as they get on that shop floor and they're working around somebody that they're going to be working around with there's already instantly a different comfort level and there's a, you know, they're going to talk to that employee. They're going to talk to them about things that are going on in their life or whatever. They're going to open up to that employee just naturally. And Mm -hmm. if they don't, if they're not a fit, you know, because of whatever, um, whether they're just not the right kind of worker or they've got a certain something going on that's just like you said, not a culture fit that's the only way that I'm going to find out about it is with through the other employees. I can't find out about it by, by the interview at all because they're right. just, they're going to give you a different kind of interview to you than they would the employee that they're working with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do, we do something similar for, for our business. Um, but we just do tr- trial projects. Yeah. Um, well, we'll work on a, a project with them for a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. See how it goes, see how they work, you know, what their communications like, yeah. Um, how they treat other employees, um, you know, what their work ethic is, if they're showing up on time, how the quality is. And sometimes we'll actually do like two or three trial projects oh, yeah. um, and then figure out if, Hey, this, this is a good fit or not. And it, it does not, take yeah. more time, but the more time you're willing to put into that, the better result you're going to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can just have the interview, hire them, go. Um, but I mean, it's crapshoot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, an absolute crapshoot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, um, we've talked about employees, but let's talk about productivity. Um, I know that that's probably the biggest reason why people get into lean in the first place is they, they want to be more productive. Uh, yeah. And I think, and I think you gotta be careful with that because if you use that for your sole reason to get into lean, it's, you know, it can be a slippery slope because, Ultimately, the only way that lean sticks is to get it into your culture, and it's part of what you do. It can't be the, it can't be the owner or the boss just dictating policy. It just it doesn't work because you just you're always going to be dictating that policy. Um, but overall productivity needs to be the byproduct of lean. I mean, and, and when I say that, it just needs to be. You can't say that we're doing this just because we need to produce five more boxes a day or whatever your whatever your tracking that your KPI is. You know. Um, Overall productivity is the byproduct. Your your goal in lean, I think, needs to be eliminate waste, constantly improve to add value to the customer, and then and then in that you're gonna you're going to be more productive. You're gonna get more product out the door in the same amount yeah. of time with less people. But if you make you if you make that your like first goal going into it. I'm not going to say you're going to fail because I, I mean, I'm just saying that's not the way that I did it. That's not the way I approached it. I just approached mm-hmm. it from an efficiency standpoint and eliminating waste, but overall yeah. productivity definitely has been uh, a result of what we've done. I mean, it's just been, 
it's been great. We, we produce more, we produce better and we produce it with less people than we used to. Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, I, so I coach soccer in the spring. Um, and yeah, the, you know, the kids want to, uh, they want to win the championship, but it's the process. Like you've got to yep. love the process and that's what is actually going to make memories. Even if you win the championship, you know, I've, I've won, you know, state championships and stuff back when I played and I, you know, I remember those days. I remember that day, yeah. you know, that we won the championship and it was great, but it's all the things that we did as a team to get to that point that were yep. worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, stick in your mind and you laugh about whenever you see buddies or whatever it is. Um, and I'm sure it's the same way for employees. They're not thinking about, and for yourself, you're not thinking about like, oh man, look, we got this KPI. That's great. Like, yeah, that was a good milestone and it felt good, but you're thinking about, man, see how we did that as a team together. See how we were able to overcome like a, something that we thought was impossible. See how we were able to go through this and really achieve something together that was worthwhile. Um, I think that's probably the same thing. It's not about just being productive. It's about like just being better overall. Yeah. So just let that, let that part of it work itself out because it will, it's like you said, it's not the, it's not the trophy at the end. It's how you got to that point, you know, because yeah. that didn't just materialize. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So um, with, I, I know that quality is always an issue. Quality, oh, yeah. quality is always Especially on top of mind. Yep. The last thing you want is customer to see their final product and be like, what is this? Yeah. Um, what, give me a story of like something that, you know, before lean, you were always like, in the back of your mind, like, man, this, I don't like the quality or I, this could be better. Yeah. And now it's completely changed. I think the, <clears throat> you know, I think on quality, um, I think the problem beforehand was quality was always a moving, moving target. It was always mm-hmm. this today, this tomorrow, fix that. Then it was this, then fix that. And it was this. And I think when you start really getting into lean, you, when you're eliminating the waste and things like that, you're creating more time, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's the right way to word it. You're kind of creating more, uh, more time in the process for the employees to just engage with link or engage with quality, you know, just engage with the product and, and not find these issues after the fact. So it's, it's kind of like they've, they've got a little more time to do their job correctly so they can, look at more pieces they are identifying waste way earlier in the process and that's that's how you really um take care of quality is you know by having that customer mindset like i'm serving that next customer in mm-hmm. the process quality will start to work itself out so you know where we're at in the process is we used to fight we used to fight that moving target of quality and then now we're in that part where we've been doing it for long enough. Now we're starting to do a lot of the, I think the technical term is pokey oak. Um, so you, you're making, you're making these kind of uh, go jigs or no go jigs that are um, things that they can test things that they can check quality on, on several pieces, you know, uh, say uh, every two sheets of plywood, you check something at the CNC machine or every five parts at the edge bander you do something this way, you know, and you, you test the, 
you rip some of the edge banding off and you test the glue and you test, you know, just little things like that where you're just going through these uh, checks consistently rather than waiting till the end, which is pretty typical. And then you kind of view the whole product as a finished product. You view the quality of the whole product where you really need to be viewing the quality of the individual components, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so product quality is, man, it's, it's tough, especially as a manufacturer because um, it's not a digital product. It's not a idea or something like that. It's, it's a physical thing you can look at. And one thing that I've noticed that as we've got better, <laughs> people scrutinize even more. And I don't know why that is, but the, <laughs> the better that we've got, the more our product gets scrutinized because, um, I guess there's less imperfections. So when you do see one, it really stands out. Mm. So as we've got better, it's almost got like a lot better, you know, because, um, we're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty of things. Now, these, these very small issues that before you would never even get noticed, but now they, they definitely get noticed and they almost stand out like a sore thumb, you know? So, oh, um, interesting. It, it's, it's definitely was, it's definitely been a, a neat, um, thing to find out because that wasn't, before it was just these, it'd be a random issue and then it'd be another random issue. It'd be another random issue. But now it's, it's definitely getting down to these little nitty gritty things that we, you know, um, that we, you really have to get down to the fine details to find a, to find a, a big blaring problem. So what would be like an example of that? Like something? Well, um, you know, we had, for instance, um, so say a few years ago, edge banding was always an issue, um, always an issue. And, and it is, it's still an issue that we have to keep a very close eye on. Anybody that's in the woodworking industry just knows that the edge bander is kind of the nemesis of the shop. Whether you've got a <laughs> $5,000 edge bander or a half a million dollar edge bander, it's that spot in the shop that you just cannot take your focus off of. It's there's without going into it, there is a lot of moving parts there that's got to happen to make that edge banding look perfect. There's just a lot of things that have to go right. And, you know, <clears throat> in the, in the past, it, when we had have problems with edge banding, it was always a machine issue. You know, we would always have a machine not doing something right. So we'd have to fix it. Then it would get better and then it would get worse, that kind of deal. But now we've figured out a way, a method to where we look at every fourth or fifth piece, you know, we tear the banding off, we test the glue, um, you know, and then we have a method of testing the, uh, every time we switch, that's usually when you would have your problems is when you would switch to a different type of banding or right. a different type of substrate. And now we have a testing process that basically every time the CNC cuts something, they have a specific, uh, thing, uh, size that they have to cut, uh, a few pieces of their waste into. So we have some test pieces. And they just put that test piece on the first piece of that product on the first kit was what we call it. But, um, on the first piece of that product, they put those test pieces. So even if they're switching banding 10 or 15 times a day, they're always running a test piece until they get it just right. And then once the operator's happy with it, they approve it with the lead person and usually the foreman, they approve it with the foreman, even if they're only running 10 pieces of that product, they, they, they approve the setup. And then once they approve the setup, they run it and then they check every fifth piece uh, as they're running that product. Um, and we try to stay in it as long as we can, you know, so we don't have to do the, as many of these setups. 
but we're talking about a process that now only takes us less than five minutes, probably three to four minutes. I'm sure that first time it probably took a lot longer. Yeah. It was more like 20 minutes or 15 minutes. It was, it was way too long. And, but now we've got it down to a process where it's just taking a few minutes and then we're trying to get it down to where it takes just like a minute or two and, and we'll get there. We'll get there on it. Well, but But the thing is, even if it is that extra five, even if it is that extra five minutes, um, yeah, I mean, imagine having the, 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 you know, poor quality product at the end or the mistake. Now you've got to go and redo everything. You've wasted material, find the material put it on a yeah. pallet, ship it, you know, the whole, you know, so that, yeah. that five minutes has cost you an hour in the shop and, you know, so yeah, it, exactly. it's pretty insignificant. It's pretty insignificant when you think about it. Yeah, man. Okay. So that's one of your systems now. And I think, yeah, with- it's, it's, you have to it, really on quality. I think the, the biggest word that you could use is redundancy. You've got to get some redundancy in it. You cannot trust one person to do their, to do a quality product all the time. There's got to be some redundancy in there. So somebody has got to check their setup. Somebody else has Mm got to okay it just not, not to keep a finger on them just to get another set of eyes on it. Cause you get used to looking at something every day, all day in day and you know, day in, day out. Yeah. You're, you're just going to get accustomed to it. But if you have somebody else checking it, they're, they're going to look at it differently. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what's great about lean and it's one of the values that we have here about systemizing your shop, how many systems, like how, how many more systems do you have in your shop today be, after lean than before? Well, I'd say before we had just verbal systems, you know, they were more of just like mm. me dictating a system saying, okay, here's how we're going to do it from now on. Well, then when you get another employee or somebody moves areas or something like that, then you got to reteach that system. Uh, whereas now we're, we're definitely heavy on SOPs. We've, we've only scratched the surface on how many we need to do, but we've, we've done all the major ones, um, to where somebody could walk into an area that knows very little about that area and they could get through it just by looking at the SOPs. So standard right. operating procedures. Yeah. So, um, and we've got a template in, in, in fact, we could put it in the link on the, yeah, we'll on put the, the podcast. Links. Yeah. Um, so very simple template, just a word document. It's got eight, eight, uh, spaces on it. We use a little printer, uh, HP sprocket printer that we print off a little Bluetooth printer, print off pictures. And basically we chop a process up into eight, no more than eight steps. A lot of them are less, but no more than eight steps. If it's more than eight steps, it really needs to be two processes. Um, but chop a process up into eight steps and you just kind of hit the highlights. You hit the major parts that you have to do. And you kind of let them fill in the blanks in between, you know, let them do it how they need to do it. Don't tell them how to necessarily physically handle this, that, or the other. I just kind of let them fill in the blanks, but I give them the major, like you have to push this button. You have to pull this program up. You have to check Mm -hmm. this and then, you know, give them that major process. And so we've, and we've got a lot of those around the shop just on uh, major processes and we're, we're continually adding to them. We're definitely not, adding them at the rate that we used to. Um, but we've, we've got all the major ones kind of, kind of hit like as far as for instance, how to build a drawer, for instance, you know, so yeah, we've got, we've got a process on how to build a drawer. That's this type of drawer for this type of drawer glide. And there's an eight step process of how to do it. We're not telling them how to hold the nail gun. 
or how to hold the glue bottle or where to do this. We just tell them, okay, grab these four pieces, put this many nails in this size of drawer and put this type of hardware on it for this type of clip or something, you know? So we're just giving them the uh-huh. highlights, telling them what screws to look for, what color bin to look for. And, uh, and that's about it. So we, we keep our SOPs and our systems very, very simple. Yeah. And I think that's important. Um, cause you can you get to. in the weeds on it. Now the weeds oh, yeah. can be helpful. You know, if you're literally taking like me and putting me in the shop, like I'm going to sure. need the weeds, you know, I'm going to yep. need to know all mm-hmm. the little details, but yep. if you've at least done some preliminary training with people, then it's, it's pretty straightforward. And I think yep. something that people uh, like, I, I would, I would venture to imagine that 90% of the shop owners out there don't realize how important systems are to the value the actual like dollar value of your business. Of, oh, there's no doubt. You know, the business of your shop. Yep. Um, if if you're going to sell your business and you don't have systems, you yep. are literally like, there's nothing there because yeah. you're selling essentially yourself. You've created that shop. You know how to do things. As soon as you pull yourself out, that shop has nothing. No, it's the value of its assets. It's the value of its assets. And re- whether you're building right. your business to sell or not, <clears throat> doesn't matter, but you should build your business to be sold because that's the way you're going to add the most value. You know, businesses are sold and I know this is a different topic, but businesses are sold on a, on a multiple of their earnings. So if, if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year net profit, then your business is worth a multiple of that. And the more the, what, what um, raises that multiple is things like, how much, how much of the daily uh, runnings of this shop require the owner? How much can mm-hmm. the shop run without the owner? Is there a sales process in place to where there are continuous sales? And is there processes in place to where this place can essentially run? If, if an investor puts their money in it, can this place run with only that injection from the investor, nothing else? You know, So the higher you want that right. multiple the more of those boxes that you need to have checked off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, the value like of lean systemizing your shop, I mean, it, you're literally adding assets to your business. Yes, for uh, sure. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think the, the, and this goes on to the, the next point and the last one about, you know, the value of, of your shop uh, with lean. When you have those systems, what has that allowed you to do for the most part, um, Jeff? You know, like I know that, well, you know, let's say five <clears> years ago, how many hours were you spending on the shop floor? Every hour. I mean, it was, <laughs> uh, you know, before it was, it was all day, every day. I mean, I, you know, office work was evenings and weekends and, mm-hmm. um, you know, working on the business was not even an option. Um, it was just whatever it took to get to the next job or the next day. And I think that's, I think part of that is a little bit of a rite of passage. You know, when you're a smaller sure. company, you don't, you don't really have the choice and you have to do that. You know, when you're a new company, you kind of got to be in the grind every day. But where, where I would do it, if I was starting over again today with, a, with some of the knowledge I have, <clears throat> I would start over <clears throat> toward from day one, I'm building, I'm building a business that I'm working on, you know rather than just in it. And I didn't do a very good job of that or the first 10 or 12 years of my business. I mean, I was just 
I was just in the grind every day. And <clears throat> that would be the biggest change I would make is I would, even if I was a new company, I would figure out a way to set aside three hours a week, you know, that I'm doing nothing but working on the business. And that was just, that was something I never, I didn't do until here recently. And it's, and it's, that's been the kind of a great deal about getting into the lean. It's, it's got me to a position where I can do things like this podcast that I really enjoy. You know, I can do things that, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and kind of like spread this knowledge of, of what we've done with our shop and hopefully it, it helps another shop. And what would be awesome is to see a shop that's doing $300,000 a year, take some of these, um, systems and these ways that we've done things and grow their shop exponentially and get them as a into position as an owner to where they can actually work on their business. And that's just, that for me has probably been the biggest benefit of going to lean is that I don't have to, I don't want to take anything from it. I enjoy working on the shop for, I still work on the shop floor from time to time, but it's in a totally different capacity. When I'm working on the shop floor now, I'm working on the business. I'm yeah. working in an area to really hone it in. I'm working on a, a process or I'm working on a, 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 a machine that's going to be better or something like that. I'm not working on it, grinding out product, you know, that's, that's not what I do on the shop floor anymore. So it's a totally different, uh, just a totally different method or totally different thing I get to do now. So it's, it's been, that part of it's been really great. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I, yeah, I think anything that can allow you to step out of the operations of your shop, um, yeah. and give more responsibility to your employees and more trust in them is totally worth it. Um, for sure. And that's invaluable because I think it changes the quality of your life. Like what are some of the things that have, you know, changed your quality, like with lean now the quality of your life has changed. What are some of those things? Yeah. So the big thing is it takes the fires out of your shop. It, it removes a lot of that chaotic environment that if, if you own a shop, you know what I'm talking about. I don't even have to go into it. Just the nightmare <laughs> that can happen with being, you know, the, the drama of employees, the 101 excuses while you're behind schedule, the, constant breakdowns, just everything that goes with being an owner, you, you take that out of it. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, that's, it's, it's the truth. I mean, you will take the chaos out of the everyday life. And that just, that right there frees you up so much more to do other things that you want to do either as an owner or just an individual. And and I've enjoyed, well, last year, perfect example. Last year I took a uh, I took a one month vacation that w- ended up being three and a half month or three and a half weeks, about a little over three weeks. Um, and we, you know, loaded the family up in the van and we took a huge road trip to California and took a big loop back through Colorado. I mean, it was just fantastic. You know, it took me, I planned it for a year. I mean, I, I said, <laughs> I said, I'm sure June, there's some yeah. shop owners having a heart attack right now. Oh yeah. Just like leaving the you shop know, heart for three rate, you know, because before that it was like, <laughs> to take a week vacation and just to think about a week vacation, I couldn't even think about it, you know, but, um, you know, about a year before I decided, you know, I was like, you know what, we're going to take a big vacation where I'm going to take a month off of work and we're just going to see what happens. And there was a lot of planning that went into that, a lot of getting ready, but there was a lot of improvement that happened during that year because I knew that it was coming. 
<clears throat> and a lot of a lot of things that I had to do to get because you're talking a month is a full cycle of receivables, payables. Uh, you got several payrolls in there. Uh, right. You got things that have to be invoiced, things that have to be quoted. So you got all these things that still have to happen. So there was a lot of things that I had to get in place for that to happen. And 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 I still had to do a little bit of work from the road, but it wasn't bad. Um, really, the reason I cut it short a couple of days was. I was kind of just ready to get back to work, you know, a little bit. So, yeah. uh, that was part of it, but, um, but no, it, it went great, but I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not had all this stuff in place. There's no doubt. And yeah, just the, like you said, some owners hearing that just think it's, think that would be crazy and they couldn't even think about that. But, um, but, I mean, it doesn't have to be a vacation. It doesn't have to be something like that, but it needs to be, it needs to be something where you've got the choice, yeah. whatever it is the owner needs to have the choice of what they do and whatever that is. If even if the choice is to work more, at least make it to where you're working on the business and you're making the business better. You're not just having to grind out the product. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would venture to say that, you know, every shop owner in some respect, like dreams one day of being able to travel or go on a oh, vacation yeah. with family or spend more time with family, whatever it is. If not, if not today, at least some point in the future. Um, That's why most people that are self-employed become self-employed is because of the freedom of not having to work or answer to somebody else. And if you're not, if you don't have that choice, then you haven't changed your situation. You know I mean? You you haven't really got the benefit of being self-employed. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the, the, the issue is like what I love what you did they have that idea of like one day I'll do that or I'll have that choice yep. or one day, you know, I'll hit it big. We'll have all this money and that's when I'll take my break. And I think the issue with that is because there's not a date on the calendar, kind of like with what you did, you planned it yeah. out a year in advance. There's never the right steps taken to actually make that happen. It's just yep. a hope and a dream and something that, you, you know, never put yourself conc- in a position where you're forcing yourself to be ready for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's I mean, always, there's always going to be something to take care of. There's always going to be yeah. another deal, another client, another issue, another, you know, whatever it is that's going to hold you back from reaching that yeah. goal. If you don't actually make it concrete. Yeah. The first time I did it was I took a week and me and the wife went to Jamaica for a full week and there's no nice. phone service there. And that was several years ago, five, six, this was before I was doing lean, but by taking that vacation, it made me realize, I remember when I went on to that, when I was going to that vacation, I had to do a lot of planning just to get ready for a week off. And, um, I I remember thinking, it's like, this is way too hard for me just to need to take one week off. This is way too hard. And I know that kind of got the wheels turning. Like when I was there, I was like, man, I need to do more of this. And, um, you know, every year since we've been able to do a vacation like that, uh, for a few days or a week or whatever. And it's every year it's easier and easier. It's just like Mm -hmm. now, uh, I, now I could get to the point where if I wanted to take two weeks off right now, like if I decided today that I'm taking two weeks off, I I mean, I can do it. And and I can say that confidently that if I want to take two weeks off and just not show up to work on Monday and be back in two weeks, it, it would be just fine. Wow. I don't think a lot of people would be able to say that a lot of shop owners. So that's really cool. Well, I've really enjoyed talking about this. I know I've learned a lot. I hope other people have too. Um, Yeah. I I don't know how long I went there, but uh, I can, 
I can tend to ramble about lean for quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll talk more about it. So I want to go into some of these new segments that we have. Um, Yeah. And um, one of them is just tool of the day. uh, Whenever we're doing Mm -hmm. these. Say that again, you kind of cut out there. Sorry. Yeah. Tool of the day. And um, basically for this, just what's one thing really simple tool that people should go out, should use um, to get started with lean, to improve the lean things that they're already doing. So beyond just going and buying two or getting two second lean, you can get it for free everywhere. Paul puts it everywhere for free on his website on fastcat, um, fastcat.com, I believe. Um, but there is a product on his website called Kaizen foam K A I Z E N. Uh, we could probably put a link to it on there. Uh, Kaizen foam is fantastic. It, it helps you organize all your tools. It's foam. That's very easy to cut out. You just peel it out with your fingers and put your screwdrivers and your pliers and your everything all laid out that way. Everything's got its place and it's, it, sh- it sticks out like a sore thumb when something's missing. So we, I stock it. I keep 20 or 30 sheets of it in the shop all the time. And uh, we're not scared to replace it when we eliminate tools from an area or change the type of tools we have in an area. We do a whole new piece of foam on there because we don't want any empty slots. So we just, we change it out and redo it, you know, decently regular every, maybe once a year, twice a year or something like that. Um, We'll redo it. But Kaizen foam is, it's great. That's cool. What about you? Uh, Yeah. I mean, mine's that you already mentioned it. Two second lean. Like mm-hmm. that for me, for someone who's not in manufacturing, for someone who, you know, has maybe had a, a little bit of a course in college on, you know, continuous improvement and the Toyota way and all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, the goal, I think two second lean really took out the, um, je- like the theory focused and the, yes. um, just the intimidation factor of like, wow, I've got to go right. and get a degree in this to be able to do it. I mean, the great <laughs> yeah. examples I love were just like his coffee in the morning and just how yeah. it, you know, the mugs were on one side of the kitchen, the water was over here and then the coffee maker was here and then he put cinnamon in it and the spices were on the other side and just how he made it like that an improved process by putting everything in one area and you know yeah. mixing his sugar and cinnamon in its own shaker so he can just shake once or twice and he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, those that was just such a, great visual for me to be able to feel like, Oh, I can, I can get lean. I can understand continuous improvement and waste. Um, and then, I mean, I think it helps you just to, if you can do it in your own life at in your home life, it'll make it a lot easier, um, to, to be able to do it in the shop as well. So for sure, I would say I go agree. and read two second lean if you haven't, or listen to it, the audiobooks available. Yeah. As well. I've listened to it twice. I've read it once and I still like to refer to it you know, periodically I forget something that they may do. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's such an easy, it's a, it's like a 90 page book. I mean, you can read it on a Sunday. I mean, it's, it's so mm-hmm. easy. Um, and in fact, we, uh, I give a copy to every new employee that we have. And, uh, um, that's great. Not that I think that you should incentivize lean with money, but sometimes I think it's, um, necessary. So, cause people don't like to read books normally. I mean, normal, most people don't just pick up a book for no reason. Um, so I'll, I'll pay them 50 bucks if they'll read the book and then come back to me with three bullet points that they got out of the book and I'll just hand them a $50 bill and I'm not every one of them do it. I don't force them to do it. I never ask them about it. I just tell them you come back to me and talk to me when you're ready. And I would say about half of them do it. 
Um, yeah. But uh, it's a win for me. Mm-hmm. That's great. No, I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so now next segment um, before we get to the last one. Um, yep. What uh, do you think about a little quiz on lean? <laughs> are you smart enough? Uh-huh. Kind of These one are... of those smarter than a fifth grader type deals, or are you going to embarrass me no, here? And like, no. You're going you're gonna to debunk it all? And Okay. Gotcha. Pretty basic. Pretty basic. Gotcha. Three questions. Okay. okay so right. first one, right. um, what's the definition of Kaizen? This is multiple choice. Uh, A, is it better throughput? B, quality products? C, higher employee bonuses? D, change for the better? Or E, all of the above? Oh, you got to throw the all and the all of the above in there, don't you? Um, <laughs> I've got to say, at its root, it's got to be changed for better, because they, the others they, are they. kind of products are kind of related to that, so are kind of kind of all happen because of that. So I'm going to say change for better. Yeah, you're right. You got it right. Good stuff. Yes. Um, okay, question two. In five S five S's, um, the term sorting means to a only have the needed tools and resources in the area. B keep or everything has a place. C keep it clean. D ensure everyone is doing it the same way. E make sure you follow up. Um I would say that sorting is either going to be everything has its place or only have the needed tools and resources in the area. That would to me that would be more like standardizing. So I'd say sorting is um, everything has its place. Great job. All right. B is right. right. Everything has a place. Nice. Um, because I'm not the technical 5S guy, so I technically don't know <laughs> like what all the S's exactly mean. I, I do the 3S you know, from the two-second lane. So, yeah, yeah, sounds – I'll just take my, take my win right no, now. No, you got it right. You got it right. Okay, so then uh, last question. Uh, Muda – or MUDA, mm-hmm. I don't know how you pronounce it, is a yep, Japanese Muda. term that focuses on identifying, reducing, and eliminating waste in the production process. This is true or false? Yeah, so MUDA is all about waste, so I'm going to say true. True. You're right. Yep. You're a lean right. expert, Jeff. <laughs> Send me my prize in the mail. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll get you your certified lean certificate. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Um What's your, what's your one thing, man? What's the one thing that you're encouraged, like your encouragement to shop owners? What is yeah. it like when that you want to tell them? It, it's got to be just get started. I mean, just do not overthink it. Don't even have to read the book on, on two second lean. It's a great motivator, but you don't even have to read the book. Just, just get started with the concept of all I'm going to do is improve every day. We're going to make a, an incremental, even a micro improvement every day. And then eventually you'll get there because that's really all that we do on a daily basis. So every day, make a little bit of an improvement. It'll start to bleed out to your employees, but just, just get started. Just get going. Don't overthink it. Great advice. I think that's, you know, true with anything. Um, Don't wait. Just trust your gut. Go Mm -hmm. with it. Do it. Be willing to fail. Be willing to learn from it. Yep. Um, Okay. Well, I'm going to give a recap of the show. Uh, before I do that, you did ha- you told us a story about one of your employees. Yeah. Be you know as you're trying to introduce lean and how there was some resistance there. What yeah. has been the change in his life and in, in his role in the shop um, 
since you know you guys have started to implement lean in a deeper way yeah so <clears throat> you know now he's he's definitely one of the kind of the leaders in the shop and he's definitely one of the um, people that when we are ready to do a different event he's right there in the thick of it trying to help improve that event um, he's also trying to drive change uphill of him and make his you know what he's the product he's receiving uh, you know better so he's he's constantly sending feedback um, uphill of him and you know and, and just some of the little things he's he's kind of been now that he's invested more in the process and um, he's he's not as late all the time he's uh, you know doesn't take these little breaks in between you know and stuff like that he's always mm -hmm. working on his area so he's definitely more in, in invested in the process now that's great that's really cool to see i love seeing um change like that in people and yeah um, for sure it's, i think that's probably one of the most rewarding things as a business owner is being able to like have an impact on someone's oh, know, yeah. life um in, yeah. the, in the business outside of the business um just really cool to see yeah. Okay. So recapping the show really quick, I'm going to try to do this in about a minute. Um, yeah. You know, we started with some of the best things we've seen this week. Jeff loves pizza. We'll probably talk about that more soon. <laughs> Need a whole episode um, on that. But we, yeah, <clears throat> but we talked about kind of the why of lean that, you know, waste is all around us, um, that everything can be improved and um, how lean has paved the way for alt cab to be where it is today. Um then we talked about just the value of lean in your shop, how it improves employee engagement, uh, employee retention increases, your overall productivity increases, uh, the quality of your products is improved. And something that Jeff said with that is that, you know, you start to even notice even more uh, defects or imperfections that you would have never noticed before. Uh, and so then you only improve even further um, beyond what you saw in the, in the first place. We talked about systemizing how, you know, Lean helps you to systemize your shop, which ultimately builds the value, uh, the dollar value of your business and allows uh, when you have the, those systems, it actually allows you to step out of the shop um, and allows your employees to take ownership of their work. So you don't have to. We talked about Jeff's uh, vacation for three and a half weeks from the shop and how he planned that out. And it was a, a milestone ahead, uh, a year ahead for him. And he was able to you know, plan how to actually remove himself for three and a half weeks without disrupting the business and the flow of things. Um, we talk about, we talked about the quality of life with lean, just how, you know, it takes the chaos out of your shop and allows you to stop fighting fires, but to just start improving and working on the business and how the burdens that you have are taken off your shoulder and they're, they're become everyone in the shop's burden. Um, and then, talked a little bit about how it gives you a clear vision for growth, but it also, you know, it makes a difference in your home life and your family life. You're able to be more present and not just in your head all the time and uh, inundated with burdens. Um, we talked about Jeff's tool, Kaizen Foam. Um, you can get through fastcap.com. Is that right, Jeff? That's right. I think I lost you. Um, then we talked about, we've got, uh, Two second lean, definitely go and find that as well from Paul Akers. And then we talked about, um, you know, the quiz for Jeff and the one thing being just get started, choose an area of your shop, improve it today. So great stuff, man. Excited to be doing these more regularly with you. Um, I think, uh, there's a lot of value diving deep into these topics and, uh, yeah, yeah looking forward to the next one. 
I agree. I think, you know, we've had a lot of feedback from um, the first few episodes that we've put out and some of the feedback that we've got, I think is that, you know, people kind of want more and they want, they want some more information. And, and I've always been more of a tactical guy anyway. I, I, I always kind of hate those things that just skim the surface. And, and I think these are a great, uh, I think these are a great way to just really get into something and, and um, uh, you know, just, I hope everybody finds some value in it. Yeah. Okay. Well, appreciate it. Excited to uh, have the next one and keep pushing through the barriers ahead of you. All right. Sounds great. See you, Jeff. See you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Push Through Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and visit thepushthrough.com. That's thepushthru.com for exclusive content, articles, and more.